0: Yeah, dogs in the house. Let me hear your bark. Let me see your bite. Let me see your scar. You what we be about? Come see us in the yard. This is war. Go look for hearts. Dogs in
1: the house. Dogs in the house. Dogs in the house. Dogs in the house. Hello and welcome to the first official publicly recorded version of all we hear is purple. It's the UW Dog Pound Washington Huskies football podcast. I am your guest, Andrew Berg. I'm not your host. I'm performing some hostly duties, but for tax reasons that we don't need to discuss any further, I'm only officially a guest. Introducing first your actual host, Gaby Lucas, functioning more as an on-air talent. How are you doing tonight, Gaby?
0: I'm great. I am not going to call any uh, CPAs on you, uh, and I'm here to help make the internet's third or fourth most mediocre husky podcast exist
1: that's a pretty ambitious goal i think we can achieve it if we All stay right. focused and we stay on top on topic we can maybe be the third or four- fourth most mediocre also with us today is lucas shannon lucas uh you how are you doing this
2: evening uh, i'm doing well Uh, Excited to talk some Husky football, maybe some Pac-12 football, and uh, contribute to the mediocrity.
1: (laughs) We're proud to have you as part of our mediocre clan. Gaby, were you, uh, want to tell everybody a little bit about what our modus operandi is and why we're making this podcast now?
0: Um, Yeah, well, here's my thing about podcasts is, I don't know if you guys are aware, but there's not definitely not a lot of them, they don't totally saturate the internet with their even worse than mediocrity most of the time. But uh no, seriously, like for the most, for the last, like, I don't know, I most of the things I do in like, as far as public contributions are comedy and sports writing. And between the two of those, those are like, so podcasted out that out of spite for the last like five years i've refused to do any like start a podcast just on principle because i'm just like fuck that <laughs> hard uh and then uh and then sp nation was like how about how about do it and i'm like uh fine <laughs> finally and i and i'm just like i feel like uh like uh i i'm betraying my 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 principles of not contributing to more things on the internet that we probably don't need but you know what screw it let's why not
1: or to put a positive spin on it this has been such an uplifting and positive opportunity that it's forced you to break your vow of staying off the podcast contribution carousel and now here we are we're husky fans we like to talk about husky football we like to think about husky football and other husky things, and if other people are interested in listening to those and chipping in, well, maybe this could be something for them to listen to. If not, pretty easy not to listen to a podcast. There's literally dozens of them that I don't listen to already.
0: Maybe even 13.
1: Maybe even a baker's dozen of podcasts that I've never downloaded to my phone. Mm -hmm. Speaking of carousels, the Washington quarterback carousel has revolved a couple times in the last few days. Uh, as we all expected, Jake Eason is in. Jacob Eason is in as the starter. Jake Hayner, as probably none of us expected, is completely out of the program as he's entered the transfer portal. And another Jake, Sermon, is now elevated to the number one backup. Uh, Lucas, what do you think of how this is shaken out? Is this what you expected? And what do you think we're going to see going forward?
2: Um, yeah, I don't think this is what I expected. Like you said, I don't think any of us expected um, Jake Hayner to transfer. Um, this early and um, if you would have asked me if I thought that Jake Hayner had a better chance of transferring or finishing his career as a Husky I probably would have taken transferring Um, I would have thought he would transfer maybe next spring or maybe the end of the season if end of the season if Jacob Eason decided to come back and if Jacob Eason left for the NFL and then he lost out on the on the competition in the spring um the following spring then transferring that would have been um easy to kind of predict but seeing him transfer just about a day after Peterson announced Easton as the starter and saying that he would get reps against Eastern Washington so it wasn't even like you know you could make the argument that Jacob Eason didn't even win the job outright to see Hayner transfer was um was really surprising to me uh, I'm not sure what you guys thought but that was my thoughts
1: well, Gabby, what do you think? Is Hayner a starting caliber quarterback at a maybe not at a top ten or fifteen program like we hope Washington is now, but at a power five program, or is he destined for a a lower level of football if he wants to be a starter?
0: Um, well, I think already. I mean, he's pretty much said he's going to the Mountain West, so like, uh, don't need that much. Um, you know, don't need that need that much. Uh, analysis there. And I think, I think for what it's worth, I think he would have been a valuable, in the short term, I think he would have been a valuable, uh, backup here. I think he could actually be like quite a good quarterback in the Mountain West. And I think he could be a fine starting quarterback in, in certain Power Five contexts. But, um, yeah, I think, I think I, I at first when, when I, when I heard that he transferred on Saturday, I was, it kind of was, the gut reaction was like, "Oh, that's not a good look. But then the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, no, it kind of makes sense. And I don't really, I very much see from his perspective, you know, that he has, I kind of see where he's coming from. And I think in a, a mountain West setting, um, like he said, he's, uh, likely to go to Fresno state. And by the time this is published, it'll, we'll probably already know. He'll probably announce it. Cause yesterday he said he was planning on announcing it within the next 24 hours. Um, and I, I think that's a situation where, where based on what we've seen from him and and practice reports, et cetera, that like I don't see any reason why he can't be a genuinely good quarterback there. Um but for a program like Washington that's trying to take that next step, I I think we all know kind of about what he could contribute and where his ceiling is.
1: Yeah, he we've we've all discussed how he has some of the same arm strength limitations that Jake Browning had and probably even more so without maybe even as much of a strength in the decision making and and playbook areas that Browning had so it probably wasn't going to be a step forward if he won the job which i think scared a lot of people and you know ultimately it would have been nice to have him as a security blanket but when he had that job last year and did come in it wasn't he didn't light the world on fire it was pretty disappointing so maybe him not being the security blanket isn't the worst thing in the world, uh, but it is a little bit scary to have no collegiate snaps behind your yeah. starting quarterback. Hasn't played in two years yeah. and already missed the better part of one season injured.
0: Yeah, for what it's worth, though, I think I think we've seen that he has. It's not. I don't think his arm strength is necessarily was an issue per se. Um, I, I don't. It's obviously not like a huge cannon for an arm, but I I think that's fine. It was just when you. Especially when all that when all the practice reports were coming out in the spring and the fall, and what we saw against Cal, like it just seemed really like it was the decision making that was more. It was almost felt like he mm-hmm. had, even though he looked physically like a Browning type, like he had the attitude of someone who, uh, you know, like what you see saw with like Felipe Franks against Miami, <laughs> who you know has that like six foot six, like two thirty, just like slinging it everywhere because they're used to physically dominating, and it felt like. He had that mentality, but, you know, when you have that mentality, oftentimes things go bad, and if you don't have that elite physical skill to kind of back it up and back up those risks, um, like, it turns into a liability pretty quickly, and I think that's kind of what it turned into.
1: (laughs) I think we all hope for the best for Hayner. I mean, we saw K.J. Carter Samuels go to Colorado State, not that dissimilar of a situation, and do quite well last year, and hopefully reuniting with Jeff Tedford at Fresno will be good for Hainer. Uh, Lucas, do you have any other thoughts about this? Or what are your expectations for the guys who still are here, like Eason and Sermon?
2: Yeah, um, I guess one quick, quick thought on, final thought on Hayner is just, just um, in his defense, I, I wouldn't read too much into his performance at Cal if I'm a Husky fan and trying to game that out as that's You know, maybe accurate as to what or inaccurate representation of what he would have been if you would have been here. I mean, that was about the toughest situation you could be put into um, if you're Jake Hayner as a true freshman. Your first real minutes being on the road at Cal with the offense seemingly um, dying in front of you. It's kind of hard for you to come in and be the man. Um, But I I think going forward for the the guys that are up on the roster, I mean, this clearly cements... um, Eason as the guy I think um if you've been reading the practice reports from any of the reporters that have been at practice um it's sound and listen to Chris Peterson it sounds as though um Eason and Hainer were really a step above um Sermon and Morris and and it does sound like Sermon um has made progress since last spring but it doesn't sound like he's really close to be Kind of competing for those snaps in the same way that Hainer um, might have been. I don't know really how many snaps he would have gotten against Eastern, obviously, but uh, Peterson at his press conference did say it's yeah. different and they don't expect to really work Sermon into the, into the game plan. So this is, this is what Husky fans wanted. Like we all want, and I, I'll admit it. I'll cop to it too. I was rooting for Eason and we got it. So now we got it and hainer has gone, which isn't necessarily what I wanted, but we'll have to see how it goes.
0: Can I? Oh, sorry. Um. Can I add also? Though I think it's kind of this is one of those situations where it kind of sucks because you eliminate that, um, kind of sturdy floor that you would have had with a backup with with Hayner in, as far as you know his just his knowledge of the whole the whole offense and all that. But I think in the long term, this might be beneficial. Like if you look at if you look at kind of how it, it sucks, but if if you look at now the position that Sermon is in and getting him prepared for the future and how that prepares this program for the future, regardless of whether or not he earns the job after Eason or whether it's Morris um or Garbers for that matter, Um, that I think it's one of those things where we're going to look back at this um next year if Eason goes pro or two years from now, if Eason sticks around for a uh, final year and kind of be happy that that Sermon is kind of put into a position where he has to be prepared to, you know, just be that second string guy.
1: That makes sense. And and in all likelihood, whether it's against Eastern or somebody else, there will be a game that gets out of hand and he will get some snaps at some point in the season.
0: Yeah, Uh, exactly. For sure.
1: We've certainly uh, given enough time to the quarterbacks, but regardless of who's under center, where the team to be successful is going to rely heavily on the defense, as it has the last several years throughout Peterson's tenure. We got an early look at the two deep depth chart this week. A few surprises in there, but nothing overwhelmingly shocking. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about what the most exciting parts of the defense are. are. Are there is there an individual player or a unit that that really stands out to you, Lucas? What What do you think is the most exciting part of this year's defense?
2: Um, I think one thing I'm really excited to to watch this year is um the defensive line and, and specifically uh Levi Muzurike um kind of step up and be the man in the middle um and kind of carry the mantle from Greg Gaines who took it from Peter Veo, took it from you know quals and hopefully um carry that legacy on and, and last year he really showed flashes um uh, as you know some interior quickness that you just don't see it at at that position. Um, And if he can put it together and kind of be a consistent um, every down type of type of defensive tackle who can really, you know, stuff the run and then also create interior pass pressure because of his quickness, you know, it might mitigate some, you know, issues with that are, we might get into about the pass rush on the outside. Um, He might add that interior pass rush, um, but, you know, he was just a recruit when he signed that I think I was the most excited for, and one that signified just what Chris Peterson was building. Um, because I think he signed with when Choate was still here, and you know, we beat out Michigan, we beat out some big programs, and went into Texas, and that's just something that we don't do out uh, of Texas is wild, yeah. So, I think that that's a guy that I've kind of been, you know, salivating about for the, for the last few years to finally get a starter. Spot and and now that he's going to be kind of the the guy in the middle, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, it's
1: it's one thing I, for him to was, blow up blockers. Yeah, with with gains eating up two guys in the middle, but it's going to be fun to watch him do the same thing this year. Gabby, did you want to add on top of uh what Luca said about Levi?
0: Yeah, yeah, I have I have a related but different answer um, because I think I think. Secondary, notwithstanding, because they're always they're almost like there's no excitement there because you know they're going to be great, so it's like yeah, whatever, they'll be great. Who cares? Um, I think I'm excited for Levi, but more than that, I'm excited to watch how like the one and zero techs uh, that are so young to see kind of their growth over the season because I mean Levi's a super super fun player to watch and like obviously on I think on PFF he was graded out as the highest interior defensive lineman in the Pac-12 with, like, a score of, like, 91 or something crazy. Mm. But, um, I mean, I don't think we're going to see him lining up any further inside than, like, I would anticipate typically maybe, like, do I? Maybe? and But, like, when you see those guys that are built, like, like, uh, you know, kind of Greg Gaines-ish to go line up over center or, like, in the A-gap or whatever with, with um, uh, like, I, I don't, you know, maybe... With 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 Tule and like hockey and uh, and maybe one of the true freshmen, even though you don't, you really want them to redshirt when possible, especially in those positions. But but I think yeah, when you're looking at at Sam Tamani and uh, Latuiga Gasanoa, like seeing them improve over the season and seeing how that will you know enhance the play of Levi and like Vetting and all those guys who are playing right right outside of them or oftentimes without them, but in, in separate positions. Like, I think that's going to be something that's going to be fun to watch because I think yep. there's probably going to be growth that you can see very well over the next three months.
1: We've got a Tuli, a Tui, and a Taki in the interior defensive line, and then Jacob Bandys is just <laughs> left behind. He doesn't have a fun nickname yeah. at all, but we do have four to five years okay. to work something out for him. Uh, nothing jumps to mind with with his name. At least he's a Jake. I, I would add, you you were exactly right that we know the secondary is going to be great, but I'm still excited to see Kyler Gordon getting on the field so early, just to see if he he has oh, this sure, athleticism yeah. that is almost unparalleled. He's just an insane athlete in really unique and interesting ways. To see him, uh, you know, out jumping receivers who are probably three or four inches taller than him, and outrunning uh, even the fastest receivers he's going to be covering, and he has great hands. And I, I hope at some point it didn't look like his name. Showed up in any of the uh, special teams, kick or punt return teams, but I hope at some point we do get to see him returning kicks because I think that would also be extremely fun. Was there anything uh, about the depth chart, yeah. Benning not showing up as a starter? Anything else that that was concerning to either of you?
0: Like on the defense specifically, or
1: yeah, in the defensive depth chart. Was it? Were there any? Was there anything that surprised you uh, about from different different from what you expected to see?
0: Um, I, it's not really, uh, I think the whole, like, Benning gig listed technically as second string, I don't, I think that's kind of one of those things where the, the interior defensive line, or, and the outside linebackers, for that matter, are rotated so heavily that, like, you know, what's, it's not that huge of a difference, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I there's a couple things that I'm interested to see how long they... Hold. I don't have the depth chart in front of me right now, but, like, I know we've kind of talked about this a lot over the off season. but, like, Kyler Manu being first string, like, is, you know, when you have Jackson Sermon and MJ Pisi, and uh, even though he was a walk-on like Eddie Olufosio, it seems like one of those things that'll be interesting to watch as the season progresses if Manu holds on to that spot um, and kind of what it looks like, how this depth chart looks like at the end of the year versus now. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think you're exactly right that we're going to see a lot of rotation there. Anything else, Lucas, that stood out to you on the the first week depth yeah, chart? Um,
2: not, not really. I mean, I know I think we're all um, on the understanding that these depth charts are pretty vague. And Peterson loves to call them a seating chart. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if, if some of this wasn't even accurate. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I think something – I think I was slightly surprised to see Asa Turner um, in, the, in the two deeps. Um, uh, you know, he's a really high, highly rated recruit, um, nothing like that. Just just from reading the practice reports, I didn't see a whole lot of mention when the when the practices were open to the media um, that he was getting reps with the ones or the twos. Um, so that just must, I mean, they only opened six practices at the beginning of fall camp. So, I mean, I think that that just shows me that he had a great camp and really progressed um, and picked it up pretty quickly. Um, and then another one, I believe this, I, I don't have the depth chart in front of me, so... I'm only about 90% sure on this but that uh i think Trent McDuffie McDuffie showed up in the 2 deeps didn't he
1: that yeah i think he was also familiar. listed although right. that's the, the it did seem like the secondary was pretty fluid the way that some of those were listed where you know we especially with the way that Jimmy Lake likes to train guys to play multiple positions we could definitely see Bryant and Molden moving in and out or safety nickel and, and that could open up an opportunity for McKinney to play ahead of some of those uh, younger cornerbacks. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it is interesting that he showed up after we, he also like Turner, we didn't hear yeah, a whole yeah. lot about him. And just, just on McDuffie,
2: like it's again, not, not a re- reflection on him, another highly rated guy that we brought in, but just there's so much talent in that room, you know, to be ahead of Dominic Hampton, um, you know, some of the other corners in there that I think Husky fans have been excited about coming off their redshirt years. and and um redshirt seasons and then mcduffie to come in as mm-hmm. a true freshman and break that two depth again we'll have to see how that plays out like you said you know lake loves to rotate those guys and who knows if it's if it'll actually be accurate or not but you know going off what we know now that's that's just a real testament to those two guys at this stage in their career um and then obviously cam williams who's listed as a starter at safety at true freshman and that's just a testament to how high the coaches are on those young guys because that is not a room that is you know lacking talent so they must be performing very well we were going to talk
1: a little bit about something that already happened something in the rest of the pac 12 there was a football game a week zero game where arizona tragically lost to hawaii don't go to the island and expect to win uh gaby you've been down on kevin sunland and the wildcat program for a while you saw through uh the pomp and circumstance uh why don't you lecture the rest of us who years, got fooled once in a while
0: for years this is like the thing that i feel abnormal abnormally strongly about um and i know like any texas a&m fans agree with me but i just this whole off season turned into like this a secondary storyline i feel like whether it was for national media or pack media was like can Arizona take strides in year two? Like, they were pretty ass last year, but this year they're going to come on. And, like, no one was predicting them to win the South, obviously. Or, like, even... But I think I saw some people predict them to finish, like, second or whatever. And some other things. And it's like, dude, if you've watched Sumlin coach teams for, like, the last seven years, you should know by now their thing. And it's not good. Like, the... <laughs> I just I just couldn't believe seeing all that stuff, and it, a it makes me feel bad for Khalil Tate and like JJ Taylor because they're super fun to watch and they're amazing athletes, and to think about what they could do under good coaching is incredible. But um, like just I just remember watching like you or what Texas A and blew that like twenty four point lead to UCLA uh, in Josh Rosen's final year, and like all the stuff that they pulled, and they, they there's a reason why August fourth eight four is celebrated as Kevin Sumlin Day. Uh, because, like, even with the talent that he had at Texas, like, that was the only thing that got him through Texas a and for so long was that he had so many, like, just ridiculous, like, recruiting because you're in Texas and he's decent at recruiting. And then, like, just to see people, I didn't want Arizona to lose, like, full transparency because it's bad for the Pac-12 to lose to group mm-hmm. five team, obviously, but, like, a little bit of me, the vindictive, like, just bitch part of my heart was like the Elmo watching the world burn gif, seeing that happen because it was really validating. Uh, even Yeah, even though it sucks for vicariously for UW, but man, ugh, stop buying Noel Mazzone, Marcel Yates, and Kevin Sublin coach teams. They will be mediocre in perpetuity. <laughs> Gabble bang, the end.
1: I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on this, but the way you described Sublin is kind of falling into Good talent, but not being able to do much more than adequate with it did sound a little bit like late stage stage Steve Sarkeesian. I don't want to relitigate that topic because they appreciate the games you won for us, but that that did sound a little familiar. There is a really good Pac-12 game on the slate for this week. Uh, Even better opponent than the Rainbow Warriors. Uh, it's another neutral, not neutral site game where Oregon is taking our role of going on the road ish to play Auburn. This time it's in Arlington at Cherry World. Uh, Lucas, what do you think of that game? Oregon playing Auburn, kind of a mirror image of our game in in Atlanta last year. This time,
2: yeah, it's it's very similar. I mean, I guess the difference is, is that Oregon um, resides outside the top ten, and. I I don't remember where we were ranked into that game, but we were definitely in the top ten last year against Auburn. But besides that, yeah, it's I
0: think we were seven,
2: seven. Yeah, that sounds right. It sounds right. Um, either yeah. way, it's it's pretty much the same because Auburn is another question mark, like they were last year, where they definitely got talent, um, but they do reside in the SEC West with you know Alabama and LSU are kind of the hot picks. Obviously, Alabama and then LSU um, above Auburn, but Auburn, you know. They have Bo Nix, true freshman quarterback. Um, you know, I think his dad played at Auburn, so definitely a legend there, or you know, a legacy, I should say. Um, and um, Oregon is predict- projected to be the Pac-12, you know, North champ. I guess Utah's the the projected champ of the conference, but but Oregon is really kind of everyone's favorite pick this year for. If the Pac-12 team's getting in the playoff, the national media thinks it's Oregon. Um, so it's got a lot of, you know, deserved hype. I think um, both teams should be good. I think it should be a fun game. I think one thing that'll be interesting is you know, it'll be Oregon's offensive line, um, you know, is projected to be the best. Hopefully Husky fans will think it's the second best by the end of the year. Cause hopefully the Huskies are the best offensive line, but Oregon arguably has, you know, could have the best offensive line in the, in the uh, conference and Auburn has one of the best defenses and one of the best defensive lines in the country. Um, so that'll be an interesting matchup. Um I'm, I'm, I hate to say it. I usually don't root for Oregon in any um, circumstance, but this is one. What? No. <laughs> yeah, this is you yeah, surprising. Say that you don't root for Oregon. I love saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But this is one, kind of as um, Gaby was talking about, the the disaster at, um, uh, at Hawaii that Arizona just pulled off, just deciding in week zero to tank the conference's um, reputation. I'm hoping Oregon does pull down win. You know, it adds to the Oregon hype. Great. I don't think Mario Cristobal can uh, – I think he, you know, channels the hype too much, and it will, you know, create – uh, their head, you know, their heads will get even bigger than they are and it will be, you know, kind of uh a negative for them over the long run. And it's great for the conference. Like I and it's great for the Huskies. I want the Huskies to be undefeated um going into that game against Oregon, and I hope Oregon's undefeated. Um so it makes our win look better. It just as Arizona's loss at Hawaii would make a loss to Arizona look even worse. You know, we need some real street cred, um, as a conference. So I'm hoping Oregon um pulls off the uh, victory and and Jerry Weld on Saturday.
1: One interesting tidbit I
0: noticed about this game is um, that Auburn,
1: Auburn opened as a six and a half point favorite. It's been bet down to three and a half. So the money's been coming in, or at least the volume of bets have been coming in on Oregon. I would assume that's because people are more familiar with Herbert than they are with Auburn's strengths, which like Lucas said is their defensive line, but I think their line is every bit as good, maybe better at what they do. Uh, than what Herbert is. And I, I would have a hard time picking Oregon, either emotionally or uh, pragmatically, because I think Auburn is going to be pretty tough as long as Knicks doesn't throw the ball away.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. Auburn is such a funky team because under Guest miles on, it's like the running joke is that uh, every year you expect them to be garbage. They're really great. And every year you expect them to be good. Like last year, they just kind of eat it and just fall flat on their right. face. And so I feel like I feel like this is, a matchup of like two teams that again like i mean or i don't I, i'm kind of in holding mode on Oregon right now i don't I, I mean sure they return a lot of a lot of starters but like it's starters that went you know not were nine wins or however many last year in the regular season so like eh. and then they lose okay anyways i'm getting off tra- topic but i think at point being i think this is a a matchup of two teams that's like it's called marquee, but I think at the end, I think they're probably going to be two, like, nine-win teams. Um, Yeah,
1: very possible. Because
0: for what it's worth, no matter how good, yeah, no matter how good Bo Nix is, like, he's still a true freshman. Like, you can't get, unless it's Trevor Lawrence and even then, uh, you're not going to get a true freshman to play perfectly in 12 games. Like, that's not, and especially in in a a division like the SEC West, you know, where you're not going to play a an Arizona defense. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked if either of them won it. And I also, I know, Lucas, you and I have talked about this over Slack. I think it's kind of a win-win and a lose-lose in the same way for dog fans. Right. That, like, if Oregon wins, yeah, you have to deal with really crappy, annoying Oregon fans, but, like, it does make us look better. And even if you don't care to think about it that way, like, a per- the perception is matters for like the Pac-12 for recruiting and for talent acquisition and etc cetera, etc cetera. so it sucks but then it makes everyone look better and then if they lose they lose and it's hilarious so right it's yeah. yeah, a good I way think to think look, look at it either way. Right?
2: yeah I would just go back to what Andrew said like I would I want Oregon to win but I don't think I would take them to win when I look at the matchup Um I just I think this idea that Oregon's um poised to be a playoff contender. Obviously we're biased because um well obviously but I I just think I'm not confident in the ducks' depth on defense um or their depth at wide receiver. I mean Brendan Schooler and Michael Pittman are both out for this game. Um and they already don't have a lot of proven talent at the wide receiver position as it is. You know, Pittman was a true freshman. It sounded like he was having a very good camp and I think
0: might I say yeah. No, go ahead. I was going to say no proven. Yeah, talent.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah no, proven it. It no proven talent. No proven talent. Not like, even
0: little. It's yeah. like
2: if you're worried about the Huskies at wide receiver, uh, which I am, like that pales in comparison to my concerns about Oregon's, you know, talent at wide receiver because it's all on paper at this point. Um, so you know, Herbert's a very good quarterback. There's no doubt. Um, they have a great offensive line, so I think they'll be able to run the ball. I think they'll be able to protect Herbert pretty well, but. What is pass protection if you can't get open? That's just, you know, coverage sacks. And I think that there might be quite a few of those Saturday. Um, yeah. And you know, it might be kind of a clunky game because Bo Nicks is a true freshman. So I could see Auburn's offense kind of vacillating between, like, spurts where they look really good and spurts where it, like, looks like a fall practice. But I, th- I think I would take take Auburn if I'm going to be saying, oh, it might be. You know, 20, 20 to fourteen. I'm going to take take Auburn in that type of matchup.
0: No, I think I think you're right. I think it's probably. I'd be shocked if they go over 30.
2: So
1: before we're completely out of time here, for each of them, I should yeah, yeah, combined. Let's let's we do have a Husky football game yeah. coming up this week. We'd be remiss if we didn't at least briefly talk about that. Uh, it's an FCS opponent, but it's one who's given uh, the Huskies fits the last two times they've come to Seattle uh they are coming off uh eastern is coming off an appearance in the fcs title game uh what is your concern level on a scale of one to ten gaby how scared are you of the eastern washington this time around
0: um not very the, i mean i watched a lot of them last year i actually went to a game during uh UW's bye week in november there when they played uc davis and they are a really really good football team they're also really fun to just watch just their their style of everything kind of um and eric Barrier, for what it's worth taking over uh for an all-American engagedguru uh is a really you know he's a quarterback that runs that whole thing really well um but i think when it comes down to it there you know it's the talent level and the, the discipline with which UW's defense plays i don't really think gives eastern much room to much room to do much i suppose um and also they're their um their their defense only returns four starters, and they play you know they have quite a few people that are returning that have high production even though they weren't starters in the past. Um, and their defense is good, but it's not going to be like the powerhouse of that team. So, in, yeah, in the end, I just it just is kind of an overmatch, you know, is is what I'm seeing. yeah, and and um, one but I still think important be, difference from these
1: other two times uh, when they push the Huskies is, I mean just on a very simple level, this UW team is, should be quite a bit better. <laughs> There's more talent on the field. It's probably a better coached unit. Uh, and and you mentioned Barrier. He he did play about half the season when Gobrud was hurt last year and he played well, but uh, he's good. He's go. He's never played a defense this good. Even the uh, seven time FCS champion, North Dakota State Bison, yeah. who did shut them down relatively in the title game, uh, their defense, even their defense is not as good as, uh, the washington Huskies defense promises to be lucas do you have any more reason yeah. for concern than uh than gaby does
2: um no i don't have much concern uh, i'll also cop to the fact that i'm pretty um ignorant when it comes to eastern washington football so um gaby's definitely the expert when compared to me um i but in terms of you know like the shootout that there was i think that was in 20, 2014 i think that might have been Peterson's first home game as the Husky head coach if i remember correctly but i don't remember for sure but i'm any anyway.
0: I think you're, oh, right, you're yeah. right.
1: Yeah, just coming back from the Boise trip.
2: Yeah. And I, or the Hawaii, the Hawaii trip, trip, trip yeah, the yeah, yeah. Boise game was the next
0: year. Well, yeah, no, Shaq that would have was on to be team. because that would have to be because it was Vernon Adams in his last Vernon Adams in his last year at Eastern before he went to That's Oregon right. which would have been and, and, and I'm not expecting so, anything yes. like
2: that. Um but, I'm not that concerned about it, honestly. Um, if this team, I mean, I'm just more interested in seeing what we've got in Neeson and what we've got in the, you know, wide receivers, defensive pass rush, you know, offensive line running game, go down the list. Like there's so many things to, that we don't really know about this team. Um, we think we have ideas about how it will look, but now we actually get to see what it will look like. Um, that I'm just so excited. Um, just to see how it looks, and and um, I would caution everyone. And this is, uh, I'm going to need to re-listen to this myself at like 12:25 when the Huskies go three and out on Saturday, <laughs> and I'm like destroying things in my apartment, <laughs> just assuming we're going to go six and six. That it might it might not look great on offense, um, and that will be okay. I think there's going to be some growing pains associated with it. I'm just like. I don't know about either of you, but the idea of like a husky football team taking the field without Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin in the backfield is blowing my mind. Like when I've been going to fall camp, I went to the picture day, I went to spring game, and yeah. I was catching myself being like, oh, Miles Gaskin is not here anymore. And <laughs> like, oh, Jake Browning is not here anymore. Like, so it's gonna be even yeah. weirder in a
1: game
0: <laughs>
2: to see that.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't things get bad, (laughs) especially Gaskin. It's just that was such a a useful safety valve. You could you know, in case of emergency, break glass and give the ball to Gaskin 12 times in a quarter. And (laughs) we don't have that to back us up anymore, which is a little scary. But good depth, good talent. Let's hopefully we hope we can overcome the Eagles.
0: Yeah. Well, also speaking of that, just one last thought. Um, I think this is going to be a really interesting game to see Savon Achman running in between the tackles. Uh, as far as you know how the, how that works out because Eastern's biggest uh, defensive tackle and they're too deep is 275 pounds. so if 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 the line if UW's line kind of does anything other than mostly bowl them over and and if Savan Ahmed can can take advantage of that mismatch, I think you know it'll be the first thing where if that doesn't happen you panic or like okay. <laughs> it's happening <laughs> right for both I, I think that'll and, be interesting to see yeah. i think that's going to be the first time yeah where we're seeing a lot more of that
1: i think that uh does it for our week one preview and with that our first official publicly heard episode of all we hear is purple the uw dog pound washington football podcast before we leave uh gaby you mentioned earlier you're in the entertainment world is there anything you have coming up that you want people to know about
0: Oh, hey, if you're, this is actually kind of works. Um, if you're after the, the Cal game, no, after the Hawaii game, whatever one is on September 14th. That's Hawaii. That's right. uh, I'm at Club Comedy Seattle in, is that Hawaii? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that game is at 4.30, ends at 7.30ish uh, at 8 o'clock. I will be at Club Comedy Seattle uh, doing 15 minutes there. That's on Capitol Hill.
1: Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, Hopefully we lived up to our promise of being one of the top three or four most mediocre Husky football podcasts on the entire internet. If not, come back next week. We'll give it another try. But in the meantime, go dogs, and let's get a win over
0: Easton.